why we should be investing early and often. I look at it like who's going to take care of you in the future? Whenever that day is that you want to stop working, that you want to walk away from it, who's going to be taking care of it? If that's you, you have to start saving money so you can step away from working if you don't have this yeah. big inheritance coming to you. What's up, what's up? You are now listening to FY Fly the podcast. And I'm your host, Hassan Thomas, along with Remy, and we are here to share tools on how millennials can budget, save, invest, and understand student debt and credit to achieve financial freedom. If you're a high school student, college student, or someone who's interested in gaining more financial insight, this podcast is for you. What's up, what's up, my FY Fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. Welcome to the FY Fly podcast. My name is Hassan Thomas. AKA the kid that did and the man that can, baby. And today, we're gonna be chopping up with certified financial planner, author, and the host of the Empowered Planning Podcast, Miss Sheena Buhendert. How are you? How are you? Good. I'm so happy to be here. I met you at FinCon. You had such great energy. I think you put me on the spot of a question and you were making sure me did. record stuff. And I was like, I'm into this. I'm into this. I like this guy. I like this guy. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yes, yes. I'm super happy to rock out with you here. We're no longer at FinCon. We're on FY Fly. And what we like to do, we like to skip the fluff and get right into the good stuff. How does that sound? <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. All right. So I want to know personally, were you always good with money or was there a turning point in your life where you were like, okay, now it's time to get right. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think people make the assumption that because this is my profession, I went to go work for Smith Barney, which is now Morgan Stanley interning. And I really liked it because every day was different. And I would go in there. I wasn't just pushing paper. Or, no, actually, mm -hmm. I was just pushing paper, but I was confused. I didn't know what was going on every day. I'm like, there's all these things and people were making investment recommendations. And I was going, how do they know what they're talking about? Like I'm studying mm -hmm. business at school. I'm studying economics. I don't know any of this. And then I wow. realized that they were also creating financial plans around that. And that's really what attracted my interest was because I was so afraid of money. I was so afraid of losing money. And I was like, wait a minute, you can figure out how to not have these things happen or you can create a plan. So I figured, okay, at least if I can figure some of this stuff out, even if I don't want this to be a career, I'll at least know this new life skill. And I think something that's very important to mention is how your parents fear or lack of understanding really trickled down to you and what you were going through so have you seen that with other people that you've helped in the past you know other clients is that a is that something that you see often or Oh yeah, I see that all the time and the first two chapters of my book are just talking about what your childhood money culture is like, how it's affected you, how you make financial decisions today because those fears that I have, they're still with me. I'm you know, close to 20 years in this business. I, I think how? it's really important that people understand kind of what your emotional triggers are around money, especially when okay. you're planning with a spouse or a partner you could be really different and it can, you know, I think it's the second biggest cause of divorce in our country other mm -hmm. than infidelity is, is financial. Mm -hmm. So I think just understanding where you're coming from, understanding where your partner's coming from. And then that's really your starting point, not how much money do you have? So like that, that's crazy that you brought up that emotional piece 
because I actually thought about it. I was like, wow, like there's really like that emotional piece and then there's the logistics of it. And whenever you're coaching, whenever you're helping someone talking about money, it's easy to be like, yeah, the numbers make sense, this and yeah. that, this and that, this and that. <laughs> yeah. But how do you, you personally as a coach, as a, as a mentor for people, how do you help people, how, how do you help people plan for their emotions? Like, how do you do that? I could tell you all of the answers to any investment question you have and figure out how to, you know, make all the money that you want to make. Mm-hmm. But there's something that drives how you make decisions around money. Like, let's talk about that. And I have people walk me through the, maybe the last three bigger financial decisions they made, even if it wasn't mm-hmm. like a direct purchase, if it's changing jobs and how they made that decision. And then you can start to get some insight into, oh, they're like, if somebody would have asked me that, it's like, oh, you make all of your financial decisions based on fear. Like there, Mm. there's no gray area. Like it'd be very clear where, you know, initially I was making those decisions. I think understanding that will also help them realize not to always just trust their gut when they're making a financial decision, because a lot of time that is driven by this like fight or flight mentality. Mm -hmm. And your gut is only so helpful when it comes to making financial decisions. A lot of times they just need more information. And then Mm -hmm. once they can start to verbalize that, that's a huge win for people that you're working with. They feel really empowered where they're just like, oh my gosh, I've had all of this. I call it unpacking your money baggage. It's like you're carrying all this baggage with you and it's not yours. It's somebody else's Mm -hmm. that they passed on to you and you're just like lifting it over your shoulder and trying to make it in the world. And it's like, Mm -hmm. unpack it, get rid of it. Now that it's there, how do we move forward? What does that look like? That, that, that's huge. That's huge because I've honestly, this year, I fully understand how big and how motivating understanding your specific why is. And of course, I've always been, you know, I've always had like an overarching goal. Like when I was playing football, I wanted to get to the NFL. You know, I, I wanted to get to college, you know, so I've always had an overarching goal. But even breaking it down to smaller goals and smaller whys has helped me. Like, I'll give you an example. I, I started to, so I, I consistently, you know, hit the gym and, and, you know, try to be active and stuff. But about two months before FinCon, I was like, hey, I'm about to be up on that stage. People going to be looking at me. I got, you know, I got to get right. So, I, and, and I've said that to say, that was my specific why for that short-term goal. So I want everybody listening to kind of, you know, take, take my story out your head and put your own story and what's going on in your personal life and try to find you that why of why you want to do better with money, why you want to start investing for, maybe it's not for you, maybe it's for your kid, maybe it's for your future kid. I, mean, that I, I also, I think going through that exercise, push people to come up with like three whys, you know, that okay. if you're like, okay, well, your first why is... I want to look good at FinCon. It's like, okay, we get that. But like, why do you want to look good at FinCon? You know, you're like, oh, because everyone's going to see me and it's social media. And it's like, okay, well, why does that matter? And then at the end of it, it's like, I want people to notice because I, I, this, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think that you want to inspire people. You want to take people with you along on this journey. And Mm -hmm. it's helpful, right? For people to see the whole package. So I think like it wasn't just in vanity that you're like, okay, I'm going to be on stage to do this. It was also a professional, like I want to be noticed because I have something really important to say. And I Mm -hmm. think for people to kind of go through all those whys of 
like why I want to pay for my kids to go to school. You know, it's not just because like, I want them to have a good education. I do, but like my family fought so hard to give me Mm -hmm. what I have. And I have an opportunity to get my kids in a better situation that I was in. So it's, it's more like meaningful for me to be able to do that as like a token of appreciation for people. Big facts, big facts. And we touched on, you know, some of the clients that you've helped in the past. Are there any other kind of reoccurring themes that you've seen, you know, over and over again when you're helping people dealing with their, when you're helping people deal with their money? If somebody has a lot of debt, they're like only focused on paying on debt because they don't feel like they can do a lot. And I think that's a mm-hmm. mistake because we want our money to work for us in so many different ways that, yeah. again, it's like you can't reach these goals overnight, but that doesn't mean you can't try. And I think understanding mm-hmm. that you can do all of these things, you're just kind of tweaking a little bit of maybe I'll put in you know, $100 here, $50 here, $25 there, and I can throw $1,000 yeah. at this thing. You know, Whatever that combination is, only you know. But to be able to learn how to do all of those things because it doesn't get simpler. Like you don't Mm -hmm. want less when you get older, right? It's like you are there and now you're like, okay, well now I have kids and they have to, I have to pay for their stuff. I still want to retire. I all want to go on vacation. Oh, we're going to need a new car in 10 years. You know, you have these things that come up. So I think building those habits of it's okay that I want a lot of things. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me greedy. I just like, I want to have a certain lifestyle that I want to have. Well, how do I build that? Okay, here's the buckets that I need and then just to contribute to them. So while you were speaking, it, it, it brought a great question to my head. And as you know, around this financial community, there's kind of two ends of where you can pay off all your debt and then start investing and saving and doing other things, or you can do all three at the same time. What are your thoughts on that? Kind of, kind of break that down for us. I'm in the do all three because as you are paying down that debt, if you're not investing, you're losing the time value of compounding interest. So you're mm-hmm. losing that opportunity to make money on your money. And then it's also like going back to that emotional piece of it is if you yeah. work really hard to pay off all that debt, you pay it off and you're celebrating and then you turn around and you look and you're like, I got nothing saved. No it's assets, like, no nothing. Yeah, it's a very quick, like uh-huh. fleeting thing. And, you know, how dare you make yourself feel bad? You just paid off all that debt. But it's just this mm-hmm. psychological thing that we do of just like, you know, so to be able to pay off that debt and to go and turn around and go, and I have money. You know, I'm able to do those things yeah. and it's working for me. And again, you're building these habits and you're also getting experience with saving money, investing money, Mm -hmm. seeing how you respond when you need more money. What if the market crashes? Like just getting experience in all of that. Mm -hmm. They're just building blocks to building wealth. And, you know, think about it when you're in school, if you're learning really simple math, you learn more advanced math. You want to walk yourself through all of the learning steps of investing. So you're not learning for the first time, you know, Mm -hmm. years later. And even, you know, mentioning investing and staying on that topic, Something that I'm really proud about when it comes to investing is that I started in 2021 with only $50. So I opened up my Roth IRA and set reoccurring investments. But now that I'm making more money, I revved that up to about $200 a month. So that, for one, that just goes to show for everybody listening, you don't have to have tons of money to start investing. So kind of explain to my audience, you know, talk about why we should be investing early and often despite you know what people say 
not having enough money. I look at it like, who's going to take care of you in the future? Whenever that day is that you want to stop working, you want to walk away from it, who's going to be taking care of it? If that's you, you have to start saving money so you can step away from working if you don't have this yeah. big inheritance coming to you. So you think about it like a credit card. When you are taking out a credit card, they're charging you interest. You know, you're making your payments $100 every month and you're like, my balance isn't going down. I'm like, $80 of that $100 is interest. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing when you're investing. You start making money on the money that you're making. And people talk about making money while you're sleeping. That's it. Yeah. You're taking advantage of that compounding interest. So the sooner you start, the better. And, you know, I think you were saying, like, if you do $100 a month, somebody else is like, I'm not going to do that right now. I don't have the money. I'd rather, you know, put it towards these other expenses I have. They wait mm -hmm. five years and they start putting in $200 a month, it's gonna take them much longer to catch up to somebody, even though they just started five years. It's not gonna take them five years to catch up. It's a lot longer than that. And that's uh -huh. kind of the shocking, where you're just like, how is this working? It's just this, you know, money's making money on, on the side for you, and you wanna take advantage of that. And also learn how it mm -hmm. works and be able to look at it all the time. Yeah, and I, I always like to say, you know, while you're out there working hard, let your money work hard as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it's funny that you you know mentioned mistakes because when I first when I first first initially started investing, I believe it was 28. I was a sophomore, about to be a junior, and my dad actually got me a stock book of like the best stocks from that year. And I went through all the stocks, and I'm a guy I like to find the diamonds in the rough. That's that's the type of person I am. And I got my stocks down and, you know, researched them and stuff. And I bought individual stocks. So I give it about, you know, three, six months. And I look back and I'm like, why am I not rich yet? I thought <laughs> that you buy these stocks, you give it a little bit of time, and then you come rich. Well, I, when I told you I was, that was my sophomore going to my junior year, my junior year I took an investment analysis class. Oh, cool. And that's where I learned about ETFs exchange traded funds which is just a group of stocks compared to investing into single stocks so i ended up selling my single stocks because they weren't doing well they would go up they would go down but it wasn't just it wasn't nothing so with these etfs these you know group of stocks i now i'm in it for the long haul because i have allocation to or i have diversification for all of these different stocks in one you know, one, one group of stocks or one asset. So I'm an, I'm an ETF guy. I love REITs and, you know, REITs are as well is basically a group of real estate properties for, you know, my listeners uh, tuning in with us. So I want to ask you, what are some of your favorite investments? Yeah, I, I would stick to ETFs or mutual funds because they're a basket of stocks mm -hmm. or different investments, even if it's bonds. I, I would probably even do, for people that are brand new, I would do like an allocation fund where you're picking, set, you know, it says 70% stocks, 30% mm -hmm. bonds, something like that. A lot of companies, you just go in and fill out their questionnaire and they'll give yeah. you a recommended fund. And inside of there, it's like a basket of different funds or ETFs that you can have inside. That's just a gotcha. great way for you to get your feet wet where you're not kind of betting on a certain mm -hmm. area. When you buy an individual stock, 
no matter what investment you have, you're always subject to market risk, right? If there's yeah. turmoil going on in the global economy, chances are if the market's crashing, you're going to lose some money on that investment. Then you have sector specific risk. If you're mm -hmm. you know, investing in one company and it happens to be, let's just say it's a tech company and the tech industry isn't doing well, well, now your stock's not doing well. And then you have company specific. Yep. So if somebody working at that company just starts cooking up something they're not supposed to be cooking up just to make their stock look good. It's very difficult as an investor to know that there's a bad mm -hmm. apple there. You can't, they're not going to write it down on paper. Like I'm breaking the law, breaking news. I'm trying to cheat the system. You don't know mm -hmm. that. So you're, you're kind of giving yourself extra layers of risk by investing in ETFs or mutual funds. You're spreading that risk out. And I like that for newer investors so they can understand, okay, I'm investing broadly based, based on my tolerance to risk, based on how much money I have, how long I'm going to wait until I'm going to use this money versus mm -hmm. just picking random stocks. Once you're investing and you're comfortable with that, I would say if you want to go out and buy something that's specific, like don't do it with more than 10% of money that you have available to invest. But gotcha. if you find companies you like, it's kind of fun, right? You're going to the store, you're spending money there, you see that you're making money in the stock market. It's great. But uh -huh. if you're wrong, you know, and you pick the wrong stock, you're not freaking out because you lost everything. So I think kind of doing mm -hmm. a combination of both. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, so boom, we were investing into our retirement accounts, 401ks, our Roth IRAs for retirement. Do you believe we should have some allocation for like two, three, four, five year goals in a brokerage account? Or is a brokerage account too risky for that? Should that be saved in a high yield savings account? So basically what I'm asking is for let's say five year goals or less, should that be in a brokerage account or a high yield savings account? I think right now with how much high yields are plant paying anything under five years, I would just put it in a high yield or a CD, you mm. know, CDs that are a year out, something like that, because they're paying so high. If this was a few years ago and you're getting 1%, well, then it's kind of you're like, is it worth the risk? Well, at 1%, yeah, it might be worth the risk. Now, if you can get mm. four and a half or 5%, why would you risk anything? If you know you can get four and a half percent, like I would rather just do that if I know uh -huh. I'm going to use the money in the next three to five years, or even okay. especially less than that. If it's more than five years, then it's, it's worth kind of going out on your risk scale and just saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to risk it a little bit more and do that get my feet wet, see what that's like. But if you do that, you want to keep in mind that you are telling yourself, I'm not touching that for at least five years. So if you were to start to do that, the market crashes to not then pull your money out because then you would have just been better off in cash. So again, these are kind of, just exercises that you go through to see what you are like as an investor, because you're not a robot, yeah. you're not a book, right? You're a person, you've got <laughs> feelings and you might have unexpected needs that come up. So you wanna just get an understanding of how this is gonna work when you are investing. Thank you for that, because honestly, that was kind of for me. I'm looking, I'm looking at you, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> talking to everybody, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I know some people are going through the same things as me. You know, we may be saving for a car. We may be saving for yep. a home. I'm specifically saving for a home in the next two to three years. So that's kind of why I wanted to ask that question because I was like, I don't know if I should put this. Because I have my Roth IRA, my Roth IRA with Schwab, but I was like, I don't know if I want to put a separate brokerage account for my house? Should I put it in a SoFi high yield savings account? I was like, 
but that makes sense because you know we are getting great interest rates at this yeah. point just for sitting it in an online high yield savings account that's something that i do talk about a lot so i have our famous famous final question for you i'm gonna say two quotes and i need you to let me know which one is more accurate in your opinion all right okay okay so the first one is more money more problems like biggie shout them out and the second one is money can't buy happiness which one do you agree with most money cannot buy happiness all right all right yeah. talk to us i think that money can bring you a lot of things of goals that you have but i think if you just assume that when you have more money you will be happy that's not the case and i think of what you talked about of like really digging into your why i think a mm -hmm. lot of people that are very driven that have go through different iterations of being successful are kind of confused times when they get to that step of like okay here i am i made it yeah. where's that feeling where's that happiness feeling because if their only driver was money it doesn't do anything for them, you know? So I think yeah. that just from what I've seen and, and kind of what I've experienced too, of like having that fear of money, it didn't matter how much money I had. It like, it wasn't mm -hmm. enough. It was just like, I need more, I'm, I'm not. And I think with a lot of other people, especially when you're around people that have a lot of money or clients that you're working with, they're not more fulfilled because mm -hmm. of that. So I, I don't think that money brings happiness. And, and that's kind of where I was going with it with, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's not a destination. It's more of a journey because if you're, like you said, if you're only grinding, you're only going hard for the money and then you get that certain level of money that you wanted, you're going to want and need more because you're going to have liabilities, other things that you need to pay for. So there's going to be more money that needs to be made. But if you're enjoying the journey, you're enjoying the, the progression that you're making, I feel like all of those things begin to make you happy once you're hitting those certain, you know, not necessarily monetary goals. Yeah, and finding your purpose, you know, and I mm -hmm. think even just the more that we become reliant on our phones or technology, the more meaningful human connection tends to be. I mean, that's why I was so excited to meet you and come on here and do this, is just to be mm -hmm. around people that kind of fill your cup up and to be able to do that it's like that's not money right like money yeah. and i haven't met anybody that's like what do you want they're like money it's like i haven't met someone who's that's been their motivation well i want to thank you so much for joining the show please please if you have any final words any final takeaways go ahead and also let them know where to reach you you can reach me at empoweredplanning.com or on instagram it's shinabu hindert and any final words, I would say go slowly, go with grace. And I think especially as we go into a kind of heavy spending season mm -hmm. to understand that not everybody's in the same place that you're in, whether that's more money or less money, but to just really before we start spending money, really think about what the holiday season truly means to you. I love that. So again, thank you so much for joining the show. Everybody listening. I know we talked about a lot here today, but if you can take, you know, one or two gems that she dropped here today out of all of them, if you could take one or two and implement them today, <laughs> then I promise you those small incremental habits will have large impacts over time. So again, thank you so much, Shinobu. I need everybody to stay safe, stay invested, and stay FYI fly. We'll see you next week. 
Thank you all for listening to FY Fly, the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week for more financial literacy insights with our special guests. Please visit our website, social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at FYI Fly Podcast. That's FYI FLI Podcast. See y'all next week and stay fly.